kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? It's Monday night, it's a little after 6 o'clock, and it's another edition of Auntie Nanny. Uh, Miss Janie cannot be with us this evening, sorry guys, but with me is the best producer money I but that's kind of good because I don't pay him, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> How are you this evening? Nobody pays me. No. I know, I know. Ah. I'm sorry, doesn't well, seem okay, fair. Technically the government pay me. Not very much, but uh, yeah, sickness well, benefit isn't much money, but yeah. Well, hey, I would like to thank the UK government for helping to sponsor my show. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, I don't think they thought they were doing that. In the um, about way, we're spon- in, in which case I'm sponsored by tobacco money. Well, <laughs> hey, I you know Just what a I'm. Bit. I'm not prejudiced at all. We'll take it wherever it comes from. Um, so, yeah, I, I said last week I would talk a little bit about the TTP, and I, I guess I'll get that out of the way. It's one of the last stories. And oddly enough, this story was written by one of the members of the Club of Rome, which is the last sure. people you would, yeah, the last people you would think would have any sort of opinion like this, uh, but. It's pretty interesting. It's also pretty interesting because I've read what WikiLeaks has dumped of the TTP, and this is indeed it. Okay, this is from Yes Magazine, which is a very progressive, very leftish publication. And it's called A Trade Rule That Makes It Illegal to Favor Local Business. Newest Lakes shows TTP would do that and more. Written by a man named David Corton. Again, like I said, a member of the Club of Rome. The leaked text is full of dense legal jargon, but a close reading makes its corporate agenda crystal clear. Secret negotiations on the Trans-Pacific Partnership, a trade and investment agreement involving 12 nations of the Pacific Rim, are coming to a close, and President Barack Obama will soon submit the final agreement to U.S. Congress for approval. Presumably, he will urge the deal's passage with the same unsubstantiated and misleading claims his administration has offered all along that the TTP will support made-in-America exports 
enforce fundamental labor rights, promote strong environmental protection, and help small businesses. But a newly leaked document belies those claims. The Trans-Pacific Partnerships text consists of a number of chapters, among the most important of which is the one on investments. On March 25th, WikiLeaks released a confidential draft of that chapter dated January 20. The draft contains instructions indicating that it will be declassified only, quote, four years from entry into force, or if no agreement enters into force, four years from the close of the negotiations. A quick reading of the leaked chapter makes it clear why the TTP sponsors have gone to great lengths to keep their negotiations secret. The document substantiates claims by opponents that the TTP is a corporate rights agreement designed to facilitate the export of U.S. jobs, allow corporations to sue governments for enacting labor and environmental protections, make it illegal for governments to favor local businesses, and advance the colonization of national economies by global corporations and financiers. As problematic as this chapter is, we can be thankful that it is at least out in the open. Now, the need is to understand what all the legalese means. The leaked document includes many technical details decipherable only by trade lawyers. Here are the cliff notes in simple English. Favoring local ownership is prohibited. Let's start with the investment chapters section on how the TTP member countries should treat foreign investors. Each party country shall accord to investors of another party treatment no less favorable than it accords in like circumstances to its own investors with respect to the establishment, acquisition, expansion, management, conduct, operation, and sale or other disposition of investments in its territory. Put in plain English, the above paragraph means that the signatory countries renounce their right to favor domestic ownership and control of the lands, waters, and other productive assets and services essential to the lives and well-being of their people. The 12 countries further renounce their rights to favor locally owned businesses, corporations, cooperatives, or public enterprises devoted to serving the people with good jobs, products, and services. They must instead give equal or better treatment to global corporations that come only to extract profits. Corporations must be paid to stop polluting. Another provision limits what member countries can do in regards to corporate investments. No party may expatriate or nationalize a covered investment either directly or indirectly through measures equivalent to expropriation or nationalization except A, for a public purpose, B, in a non-discriminatory manner, C, on payment of prompt, adequate, and effective compensation, and D, in accordance with the due process of law. The provision may sound reasonable until you look at the chapter's definition of investment, which includes the expectation or gain of profit. This odd definition means that a corporation can sue a signatory nation if the country deprives the corporation of expected profits by enacting laws that prohibit the company from selling harmful products, damaging the environment, or exploiting workers. Other language in the chapter makes it clear that this applies to all actions at all levels of government. In other words, a country in the TTP has every right to stop a foreign corporation from harming its people and the environment, but only if the country compensates the corporation for the expense of not harming them. Similar provisions are already on the books in the North American Free Trade Agreement, according to Public Citizens Trade Watch. Foreign firms have won more than $360 million in taxpayer funds thus far in investor state cases bought under NAFTA. Of the 11 claims currently pending in another NAFTA, demanding a total of more than $12.4 billion, all relate to environmental, energy, land use, financial, public health, and transportation policies, not traditional trade issues. Uh, 
Number three, three lawyers will decide who's right in secret tribunals. The late chapter also describes how disagreements will be settled. Unless the distributing parties otherwise agree, the tribunal shall comprise three arbiters, one arbiter appointed by each of the disputing parties, and the third, who shall be presiding arbiter, appointed by agreement of the disputing parties. The arbiters are private lawyers who are not accountable to any electorate. They're empowered by the TTP to order unlimited public compensation to aggrieved investors. The proceedings and the identities of the tribunal members are secret, and the resulting decisions are not subject to review by any judicial system. According to the New York Times, NAFTA tribunals, on which the ones in the TTP are modeled, even have the power to overturn judgments of national courts, including the U.S. Supreme Court, John D. Ekevara, a law professor at Georgetown University, has called this method of dispute settlement the biggest threat to the United States judicial independence that no one has heard of and even fewer people understand. Speculative money must remain free. And another provision prevents, I'm sorry, prohibits restrictions on the movement of money from one country to another. Each party shall permit all transfers relating to a covered investment to be made freely and without delay in and out of its territory. Forms an investment may take include A, an enterprise, B, share stock, other forms of equity, participation in an enterprise, C, bonds, deb- debentures, other debt instruments and loans, D, future options and other derivatives. Thus, the TTP guarantees the right of speculators to destabilize national economies through their manipulation of exchange rates and financial markets without interference from the national governments. In doing so, the TTP strips national governments of the right to limit speculation in favor of investment in strong, stable, and productive national economies. Five, corporate interests come before national ones. Another passage asserts that corporations need bear no obligation to serve the interests of the people who live in the countries where they do their business. No party may impose or enforce any requirement or enforce any commitment to or undertaking a to export a given level of percentage of goods or services, B, to achieve a level of percentage of domestic content, C, to purchase, use, or accord a preference to goods produced in its territory or to purchase goods from persons in its territory. The article continues on with six additional provisions, which together prohibit governments from requiring that a foreign investor be under any obligation to serve the host country's people or national interest. The Obama administration officials say these provisions are needed to level the playing field for American companies doing business abroad. This raises an important question. What is an American company? The Institute for Policy Sciences Studies reports that U.S. corporations and their subsidies currently hold $2.1 trillion in profits offshore to avoid paying taxes to the government of the United States. These include highly profitable companies like Microsoft, Google, Apple, General Electric, ExxonMobil, and Chevron. One wonders on what basis we could, should consider these globe-spanning, tax-judging, job-exporting corporations to be American. Approval of the TTP means sacrificing our democracy and a right to manage our markets and resources for the public good. And for what gain? Secure rights for corporations, which claim an American identity only when convenient, to exploit the peoples and resources of other countries that have signed the same nefarious agreement. Yep. So, yeah. Lovely, yep, isn't this it? This is who runs the governments now. Corporations. Mm-hmm. Corporations. Mm-hmm. Corporatocracy. Tr- they've been trying to negotiate similarly with the EU. Mm-hmm. So far, the EU keeps telling them to piss off. Yeah. 
It's like, we already have a trade agreement, thanks. We don't need yeah. yours. But it's basically about corporations maximising their profits and making sure well, they always make profits, no matter what happens. Well, I mean, and that's... When you look at the role that government actually plays, which is, I guess now it's the role of the big bad. It doesn't really do much except make everything illegal so that it can profit from sending you to jail. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, here in but this yeah, state. I mean, you notice, you notice in that, well, obviously you've noticed in that, that, that bit about, you know, what they're allowed to do with uh, their property, basically. Yes. That's on dodging tax even more. Because, mm-hmm. oh, right. Branch A of our com- company in North America has made 20 billion profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of paying tax on that, we give that money as a loan to a different <laughs> branch of the company in a different country. Yeah. And the TTPP means there's nothing you can do about it. Well, That's where it comes the- down to. Well, the TTP and NAFTA. That's now, that's I, the that's the big thing in there. It's the well, fact that you know what? they'll end up paying no tax at oh, all. Oh, of, of course. You know, and they will have full controls controls over our waterways and our land if we allow them to pass this fucking thing. Um, and I'm well, telling you, in the UK, they're not allowed to own the waterways and the land too much. So, well, yeah. they're not supposed to be allowed to owe it here, but. No. You know, own it here, but you know, apparently we're okay with that, or at least Obama is, because you know, hey, there is no such thing as private property. Fuck your private property. It all belongs to the big corporations, which, in a way, are the shadow government. Yeah. What I was going to say is, um, everybody thought Ross Perot was kind of flaky well, he when was. he was involved. Well, he was when, he, but when he was involved in the debates and he was the only one from like left of center who was or left field who was involved in those debates the very last time they let another party into the debates he told people that these free trade agreements were sucking away our you know our ability to tax corporations and yeah, they're basically in a way our sovereignty yeah, they're they're taking away your laws mm-hmm. but they yeah are. it's <laughs> my description of Ross Perot Uncentered, okay. not left of center. Well, I mean, he, he was out of he's his... A, he's crazy. <laughs> he was out of his fucking mind, no doubt about yeah. it, but he was absolutely right about these oh, these knew, foreign trade agreements. You really have to read these things. They're pretty yeah. terrible. I mean, as a politician, he's a disaster, but Ross Perot was a very successful businessman. Mm-hmm. So you can, take, you can take what you're saying in a business sense correctly. But mm-hmm. yeah, politically, mm, dodgy ground. <laughs> well... Because he was one of the... Big corporations that actually started this shit. So, oh, well, exactly. But he he it's knew what was he going lost on. And he... Money that he decided that it was bad. <laughs> well, right. I, I'm not saying he was a saint by any means, but nobody really listened to him. Everybody was like, "Look at the crackpot," you know. Yeah. But he understood at least this much, you know. And I've got to give him credit for that because I think yeah. a lot of the politicians who and the corporations who are going forward with this, don't really understand what they're doing. Um, because well, you're say, making l- luckily, it... <laughs> luckily from me, uh, the North Atlantic trade version, the, I think it's NAPP right. or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not getting anywhere. 
because well, I uh, mean, you know, France you're and Germany uh, and the UK are like, uh, we're not stupid thugs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem is here. I mean, you know, I'll stick up a link and go, look, um, it, it's time to call con- your congressman and tell them, you know, don't fast track the TTP. Yeah. The people deserve to read what's in it. You deserve to know what's in there, right? I mean, I've read it in like I'm almost sick to my stomach most of the time reading most of this crap. Well, especially between when that and the horrible had, legislation. Uh, the North American trade. Oh, I need to turn the volume up a bit. Okay. Is that better? <laughs> can, can you guys hear us better now? I just okay. turned my volume up. Yours should be I, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, the North Atlantic one, which came first. Right. Which was basically the test agreement between oh, yeah. basically Canada and North and USA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and The I'm only saying- people making any money out of it was the corporations. Who are oh, the people losing money on it? Canada oh, yeah. and the USA. Well, Mexico, too. If you ask the Mexican people about what's happened since the American corporations have gone in there. Yeah. And most people won't do this. There are a couple of really brave journalists who will, you know, and they'll tell you about what it's like to lose their rights, to lose money, to lose any rights you have as a worker. Okay. I'm pretty middle ground. But I understand that none of the rights that I have, the right to go to the bathroom, the right to have a meal break, all of those things would be completely stripped away from me had the left not stood up and demanded those things. Had people not fought and died for that, I would not have that sort of privilege protecting me. And if I lived in another country, say China, and I made iPads, they would be putting nets up on the outside of buildings to catch me when I tried to kill myself so they could send me back into work. But yeah, I mean, a you lot know, of people, That's how dismal people, these conditions are. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have no time for unions. But in the past, it was the unions that got all these uh, worker rights, mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. And yeah, they then got corrupted. Um, <laughs> Everything because, like corporations, they got big, they were making lots of money... Everything that gets too big when it's not real grassroots, when no one's... Let me put it this way. You guys know I I do work for Kassab. I do work for other nonprofits, too. Uh, My paycheck is never going to come from those people. And the reason my paycheck is never going to come from those people isn't because I don't deserve it. It isn't because I don't work hard, but it's because I know... By not getting a paycheck from these people, I'm completely honest. And I'm sticking by my guns, and I'm doing the right thing. And the people who get paid for stuff, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can ever be completely honest, you know, or completely true to what to believe in when you're, you're paid to do a certain task. Well, unless you're, um, oh, what was his name? Man for All Seasons. <laughs> yeah. Henry VIII's advisor. Who <laughs> got his yeah. got his head chopped off because he wouldn't uh, kowtow and change his mind just because his king wanted him to. Well, you and know, he was being paid by the king to do the job, but no, still wouldn't go against the rule of law, so got killed. But there's very few of that sort of person throughout history. Well, I just know money changes everything. Don't get me wrong, but I love to have some money. I would love to have enough money to 
have a car that doesn't have shims holding the windows up. Um, <laughs> you know, but I don't have that. And I'm okay with that. I don't need a lot of things to be happy. Do you ever put the windows down? Just off topic. Uh, you know, um, what works really just well for that. Get hold of some metal bond and just bond the windows in place. No, well, I mean, what works really, <laughs> what works really well if you want to put the windows up and down. Yeah. They sell these um, at uh, Tractor Supply. They sell these suction cup things that people oh, yeah, move yeah. glass with, and they move mirrors with. If you want to roll the windows up or down, per se, <laughs> you just use those. <laughs> And you can still get a hold of it and move it, um, and those work well. I was yeah, because if you want, it's hold, very if you want to hold glass in place, yeah, I don't recommend yeah, metal <laughs> bond. Yeah, no, it's it's I a used, very. I used to threaten people like that owned cars if they ever annoyed me. I was going to metal bond their doors shut. Oh God, don't do that. <laughs> it would be humorous though. Oh, it would be. Yeah, for you, they'd have to be all Dukes of Hazard <laughs> all the time, climbing in and out their windows. <laughs> I don't see a lot of people doing that. <laughs> I'm just telling either that, you. Either that or uh, get a, a, a welding torch to free the door again. I guess. Um, you know. So, um, That's how guys I let the, my evil out. <laughs> guys, at the end of the show, I'm going to put up a link to, you know, fight the TTP. If, if you guys would call your congressman and ask them to please not sell us into bondage, I would appreciate it. Um, yeah. Or more into bondage than we already are, I, I guess. I definitely agree. As I say, the, the European version, they, they keep They're, trying to push. Luckily, well, especially Germany. Hey, Thomas. Um, <laughs> do, do not want to give any national rights away at all. So, so I didn't mention this because I only found a, a couple of... A couple of websites that were saying this was true, but they say that uh, Greece has started repatriating small <laughs> small amounts of money out of the banks to pay yes. the IMF off, yeah. World Bank. So, yeah, that's fun. Fun times ahead for Greece. I'm glad I don't live there. But, yeah, um, it's, it's, <laughs> I have to wonder whose money it is they're taking. They're taking, well, if it's small it, amounts of money, what does that tell you? Yeah. It tells you it's the average guy. Yes. That's not the big corporation's money. And this, and they're this not is the new government that were saying they were against all that sort of stuff when it oh, happened sure. before. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like every election season, you hear what they want you to hear. You're not yeah. hearing the truth. So if you believe anything a politician tells you, you're stupid. We we just gotta be thankful their neo Nazis didn't get voted in. <laughs> it was pretty close, unfortunately. Yeah. I'm trying to decide which story to do next. I think I might do the two from Tech Dirt. Um these are from Tech Dirt and <laughs> this has a lot to do with copyright law and other ways that the government has decided yeah. Okay. A GM says that while you may own your car, it owns the software in it, thanks to copyright. Last week, we noted that Senator Ron Wyden and Representative Jared Polis had introduced an important bill to fix a part of the DMCA's broken anti-circumvention laws found in Section 1021 of the DMCA. That's copyright law. For whatever reason, some people still have trouble understanding why the law is so broken. So here's a story that hopefully makes the point clearly. 
Thanks to DMCA1201, John Deere claims it still owns the tractor you bought from it. Uh, instead, um, John Deere claims you're really just licensing the tractor. In the absence of an express written license in conjunction with the purchase of the vehicle, the vehicle owner receives an implied license for the life of the vehicle to operate the vehicle subject to any warranty limitation, disclaimers, or other contractual limitation in the sales contract or documentation. How nice of John Dare to say that your ability to operate the vehicle is really subject to the implied license it granted you. These comments and many others come in response to the ridiculous triennial review process in which the Librarian of Congress reviews requests to exempt certain cases from Section 1021's rules against circumvention. Uh, We discussed the ridiculous responses from some concerning video game archiving last week, and the John Deere statement is in response to requests to diagnose, repair, or modify vehicle software. And, of course, lots of car companies are against this, including GM, which argues that all hell will break loose if people can diagnose problems in their own car's computers. It, too, thinks you don't really own your car and worries that people are mixed up in thinking that they own the software that makes the car they bought run. Proponents incorrectly conflate ownership of a vehicle with ownership of the underlying computer software in a vehicle. Although we currently consider ownership of vehicle software instead of wireless handset software, the law's ambiguity similarly similarly renders it impossible for proponents to establish that vehicle's owners own the software in their vehicles or even own a copy of the software rather than have a license, particularly where the law has not changed. But the real conflation here is by GM, John Deere, and others in thinking that because they hold a copyright to some software, that somehow gives them ownership over what you do with the copy you legally purchased with the car itself. Once that purchase is concluded, the vehicle owner should be seen to have given up any proprietary interest in the single vehicle you bought. But thanks to copyright and Section 1021, that's an issue that faces uncertainty, and that's a problem. The companies lay out a parade of horribles that will happen if people can circumvent the DRM they put in their vehicles. <clears throat> Mostly focused on the idea that people might soup up their car, making it dangerous. But that's not a copyright issue. People have always souped up cars, and before there was software in cars, no one argued that Ford could prevent you from turning your Mustang into a drag car. It's only copyright that has rewritten the very concept of ownership in a dangerous way. As Kyle Weens notes in his article at Wired in response to the butt-butt car modders argument, they're right, that could happen. But those activities are, one, already illegal, and two, have nothing to do with copyright. If you're going too fast, a cop should stop you. Copyright law shouldn't. If you're dodging emissions regulations, you should pay EPA fines, not DMCA fines. And the specter of someone doing something illegal shouldn't justify shutting down all reasonable and legal modifications people can make to the things they paid for. But by far, the most ridiculous in the parade of horribles comes from John Deere, who is really, 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 really stretching the issue to try to come up with some way to pretend that this is really about copyright issues. It argues that allowing farmers to modify the software in their tractors might lead those farmers to, and I'm not making this up, listen to infringing music while they farm. Jesus Christ. 
Moreover, the TPMs for vehicle software for entertainment systems protects copyright owners of copyright content against the unauthorized reproduction and distribution of copyrighted works. For example, vehicle software for entertainment systems supports the playing of copyrighted music files and copyrighted audiobooks, among other expressive works. A vehicle driver may listen to sound recordings while passengers may watch or view television and movie content. TPMs for in-vehicle entertainment systems encourage people, encourage content providers to create and distribute highly expressive copyrighted works that might otherwise be easily copied or pirated if the TPMs were circumvented. Consequently, circumventation of the above TPMs for purposes of personalization, modification, or other improvement is likely to encourage the unauthorized representation, reproduction, distribution, and use of copyrighted software and content. I feel really sorry for whoever's making recent law school graduates have this issue dumped on their desk and told, make this about copyright in some way anyway. But all it really does is highlight the sheer ridiculousness of Section 1021 and how it's destroying property rights. If you want to see what, if you want to see the article, which I don't normally do, there it is from Tech Dirt. Um, there's also some legal documents filed in the bottom of that one if you're at all interested in the issues. Well, yeah. This <laughs> copyright thing and the ownership of something you've paid money for. Yeah. It was, if we're uh, buying. It's Apple that started that shit. Well, if uh, we're if buying. If anyone out there owns anything that has <laughs> Apple branding on it, you don't own it. It's as simple as that. You didn't buy that. Um, so you, if you we're may have paid buying... several hundred dollars for an, for like a MacBook Pro, but it isn't yours. Well, I mean, At any time, Apple could come along and go, oh, we don't like what you're doing with that. We're taking it back. And you don't get a refund. <laughs> this has happened with people with uh, iPhones and iPods. You they've, know... taken them, they've broken, they've taken them back to an Apple store to get them fixed. And Apple have gone, oh, well, you tampered with it, so you're not getting it back. You know, there's been court cases and everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If everything that we're buying, we're buying a legal term of life license for usage of, then the cost on that shit should come down. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Nope. So that tells me that they're lying. Yeah. It's just saying anything they can because, you know, Well, Apple, Apple did it because... Well, Steve Jobs was a megalomaniac nutcase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but other companies have started doing it now as well. Mm-hmm. This has been going on for the last 20 years. Right, but Section 1021 is relatively new. Yeah. And I couldn't believe they passed it. I'm reading it and I'm going, you know, this is going to bite us in the ass. It's, basi- it's basically another bunch of companies went, hey, that shit Apple's getting away with. Yeah, we we <laughs> do, do a bit of that in our industry. Yeah. So we'll expand it, because yeah, um, Apple did it through, yeah, copyright on the software, on their devices. <laughs> so yeah. Here's the other one from Tech Dirt. <sighs> DVD makers say you don't really own the DVDs you bought, thanks to copyright. So we already wrote about some of the crazy findings from John Deere and DM, GM claiming that when you buy a vehicle from them, you don't really own it thanks to the software inside, which those companies argue they still really own. This was part of the 
opposition to request for exemption from Section 1021 of the DMCA. Once again, Section 1021 is the anti-circumvention clause that says you can't break DRM, even if it's for non-infringing purposes. But every three years, the Librarian of Congress is allowed to exempt certain classes of items from Section 1021. The responses above concerned locking down automotive software, but there are some other crazy ones as well. For example, the DVD Copy Control Association, the DVD CCA, and the Advanced Access Content System Licensing Administrator, good God, are so worried about an exemption for certain kinds of DVDs that they ran to the Copyright Office to claim you simply don't own the DVDs you buy, and they'd really appreciate it if people stopped thinking they actually bought that DVD that, you know, they bought. When consumers buy a DVD or a Blu-ray disc, they're not purchasing the motion picture itself. Rather, they are purchasing access to the motion picture, which affords only the right to access the work according to the format's particular specifications, i.e. only through the use of a DVD player or the Blu-ray disc format specifications, i.e. through the use of a Blu-ray format player. Consumers are able to purchase the copy at its retail price because it is distributed on a specific medium that will play back only on a licensed player. Notice that even this statement is self-contradictory. The first sentence says they are not purchasing any content, but merely a right to access. And yet the very next sentence talks about the purchase of copy. So which is it? Are people purchasing a copy of the movie, or are they merely licensing access to the content on the plastic? This is a fundamental problem with Section 1021, showing how its expansive nature is fundamentally changing the concept of ownership in ways many people even haven't begun to understand yet. So, yeah, you don't own that. Yeah. Basically, um, you didn't buy that. The most, the most wanted man in the world isn't a criminal. Right. The most wanted man in the world is a software engineer in Sweden. Um... About three months after DVDs came to market, right. he wrote software that could let you copy the contents of DVDs. DVD Ripper? Uh -huh. That kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was the original writer of ripping software. When he was a student, he can't leave Sweden. Uh, if he tries to go anywhere, he'll be extradited to the US to be sued by Sony... Paramount, you know, all the big media companies. They're all just waiting for him to move from Sweden. Because they I'm... tried to get him extradited from Sweden, and Sweden told them to fuck off. Um, <laughs> it's like, he, like he wrote software, place. he didn't actually license it. It, right. it was just something he did as a project. And mm -hmm. it, it ended up on the internet. And lots of companies <laughs> started producing DVD ripping software. Yeah. Um, but they're trying to all make it break, take it back to him. Um, yeah. But it didn't work. Mm. But on the other hand, he can't ever leave Sweden. <laughs> Not that I think he wants to anyway. But I can't remember his well, name. Tor somebody or other. Well, you know, the, but, they've um, got the pirate party over there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty fucking awesome, actually. <laughs> yes. At least when it comes to copyright and some other they're, stuff. They're Europe-wide now, pirate party. They're fucking phenomenal. And protecting your privacy rights, they are all over that, like, white on rice. It's it's pretty awesome. They're pretty cool. And I don't like 
many political parties. You you may have noticed I've become very anti-political as time goes on. Yeah. Um, these guys are pretty freaking cool. So just saying, uh, if you're going to break the law, yeah, I guess you'd be better off, you know, DVD ripping in Sweden. <laughs> well, when it comes to only copyright law, Sweden's very strict on everything else. Well, but on copyright, the, their laws are different from everywhere else in the oh, world. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I kind of think it's Look how long it took them to take Pirate Bay down. Yeah, well, and everybody. And due to loopholes, Pirate Bay came back up not that long ago. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and everybody over there walks around armed 24-7, so they don't have a whole lot of violence, which is kind of nice. Well, they actually don't. They can if they want to, but nobody bothers, because there's, <laughs> there's very little crime. It's a stable, um, friendly, happy country. Well, apart from um, they, they alcohol-wise and smoking. Well, but. no, but they have they have other issues with immigration and that sort yeah. of thing. And then nobody really talks about it. Which kind of sucks because yeah, they've, they've got, they, they took in uh, a bit too many immigrants in one go. Yeah, yeah I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand when countries talk about needing to keep the supply of workers up, and that's why they let in so many illegal immigrants. Don't get me wrong; it's, it's an issue that actually gets talked about. It's not anything you hear about, yeah. but it's stuff I read about quite a lot, and that's why a lot of illegal immigrants get let into a country. But of course, every time you let in a certain amount of people from a certain place, you vastly change the makeup of the country. Well, it's oh. um, the, the scary one is um, Holland. <laughs> the biggest religion in Holland is now Islam. They took in so many immigrants <laughs> that they are no longer a Protestant country, technically. Well, they yeah. are, because that's the national religion. Right. But there are now uh, more... Uh, worshippers of Islam than there are Protestants. You know, but there are moderate But everybody's getting stoned, so they don't really care. Um. <laughs> I, I think it, it just depends on the type. I mean, yeah. if, if you're talking about the kind that come directly from Saudi Arabia, a lot of those people are out of their fucking no, minds. No, most, most of the, the ones Wahhabi. are... Well, uh, most of the, most oh. the immigrants you get in Europe Right. Uh, I don't know if you've been seeing it on the news in the US in the last week, but all the fuss about the the uh, boat people if in boats coming across. Right. If, if it's not in text, I don't bother. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's all the um, coming from North Africa. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's all the people escaping from all the mad <laughs> fucking Islamic warfare creators in North Africa. You know, well, Syria. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Niger, well, you know, all the other places. All the immigrants are getting on it, boats and trying to get in Europe. <laughs> you and I talked about this one night, and I don't think we've ever talked about it on the air, but I can lay 99% of the shit back at the feet of people in this country in the 1960s when they got off the gold standard. Yeah. When they sat down with the people who ran Saudi Arabia and said... We would like to be the currency to purchase oil with. And they said, you know what? That's fine. We're we're fine with that. The only thing you can never do is stomp on our religion. Yeah. And we've kept that agreement. And look at where it's gotten us. Yep. We'll so. have, we have is, uh, 
Oh, God. Red it, like well, crazy. Those people are out of their fucking minds. But anyway. For anyone, for anyone who's anti-Islam, it's not Islam, you've got to be anti. It's Wahhabi Islam, you've got to be anti. That's all these crazy bombers, mad hook-handed nutcases, all all the mad terrorists you've seen were all, yeah. all received yeah. Wahhabi preaching. Yeah. Um, so, you know, scary people. And it'd, be like, our gov- it'd be like, blaming the whole of Islam would be like blaming the behaviour of the West. Baptist Church. That's all Christians. Or Westboro Baptist Church. That's you know they, that's they the said same they, thing. You know they said they were going to go over and protest ISIS, but they're just being pussies about it. They're not going over there. Of course not. They, they may need be crazy, to. but they're not stupid. No, 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 they need to. I will pay. I will buy an airline ticket for them for one of them to go over there and protest ISIS. Yeah, I think Ma- they Ma- should. Old father, dude, he needs to go over there. I don't think he'd make it off the plane. I'd uh-huh. say maybe halfway down the ramp. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, just saying. Okay. Because he'd already have been arguing with the flight staff, so, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um. Okay, so, yeah. I think we probably, probably gave everybody a nice little background into uh, the madness that infects religion. Okay, this one. McConnell fast-tracks bill to reauthorize Patriot Act until 2020. That fucking asshole. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell introduced a bill Tuesday night to reauthorize a portion of the Patriot Act that allows the National Security Agency to sweep up call records on millions of Americans until 2020. McConnell began the process of placing the bill on the Senate calendar Tuesday night under Rule 14, which allows the legislation to skip committee markup. The bill, co-sponsored by Senate Intelligence Committee Chairman Richard Burr, extends the authority relating to roving surveillance, access to business records, and individual terrorists as agents of foreign powers under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of 1978 and for other purposes. Under the legislation, Section 215 of the Patriot Act would be renewed for another five years. Section 215 authorizes the NSA to collect and store virtually all American landline telephone records, including telephone numbers, dialed numbers, call durations, and locations. This provision expires on June 1st. McConnell's bill comes amid a renewed effort to revive the USA Freedom Act in the House, where it passed last year but failed in the Senate. The Freedom Act renews Section 215, but includes reforms to limit the NSA's access to phone records. Republicans, led by McConnell, attacked the Freedom Act last year, insisting the new reforms would open the U.S. up to greater threats from terrorist organizations, including ISIS in the Middle East. Vermont Democratic Senator Patrick Leahy, who originally sponsored the Freedom Act in the upper chamber, called McConnell's move a tone-deaf attempt at greenlighting unchecked surveillance. Republican leaders should be working across the aisle on legislation that protects both our national security and Americans' privacy rights, but instead they're trying to quietly pass a straight reauthorization of the bulk collection program that has been proven ineffective and unnecessary, Leahy said in a statement Tuesday 
and more, they're attempting to do so without the committee process that the majority minority leader has promised for important legislation. This tone-deaf attempt to pave the way for five and a half more years of unchecked surveillance will not succeed, Leahy added. Well, it doesn't need to. No. There's always, I mean, let's just... to plug it through by each loophole that exists, and eventually mm-hmm. it'll get through. You know, um, let's just say every time they're going to pass a law, they've already been doing this shit. We yeah. all know it. This is just their way of trying to cover their ass because it's become public. Well, yeah, I mean, WikiLeaks and Snowden have proved that. I mean, all this <laughs> stuff goes back way before it was made legal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Now, now they're just, you know... In cover the ass mode. Well, in unfortunately. fact, technically, all in in the U.S. certainly it all goes back to uh, that that charming J. Edgar chap who so <sighs> loved having information on people. You know, he looked lovely in a dress. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but, but he liked he liked having everybody's information. So of course he did. It makes it much easier to control somebody he, when he did, you know he'd, where he'd they're He'd have got away with it too if the politicians hadn't gone, here, he's taking our information as well. Mm. <laughs> but he was bad enough as it was. So you're saying the politicians were like um, those meddling kids on Scooby-Doo? I'd have gotten yeah. away for, for it, with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. Exactly, yeah. Which is unusual because that doesn't usually happen with politicians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hoover... Hoover is, Hoover was a, a a whole different class of nutcase. <laughs> we have a lot of them in this country, though. You know. Um, well, it did, yeah. Well, it didn't help that you know he was. He was really friendly with Howard Hughes until Howard <laughs> Hughes disagreed with him about some defense contract. <laughs> at which point they fell out, and that didn't go well. Because How Howard- <laughs> because. Howard Hughes was in with the CIA. <laughs> yeah, well, Howard. Howard Hughes was an interesting guy. Oh, he was a genius, but completely batshit crazy. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I mean, most people don't go around through the last years of their lives refusing to cut their nails and wearing Kleenex boxes for slippers. He did. Oh, but his, uh, his design for that ship for lifting submarines inspired. <laughs> well, True. I'm not saying that crazy people can't be geniuses, yeah. but hey. He, he liked surveillance, too. <laughs> Everybody does, apparently, except me. Yeah, I think it, I might uh, be the only one who doesn't if, like If him. you worked for Howard Hughes, he, he, if he wanted to know what you'd been doing for the last year, and you worked for him, he knew what you were doing for the last year. <laughs> well, that's because... He, he, he followed everything his employees did. All of them. That's creepy. Considering how big Hughes Corporation was, yeah, it was damn scary. <laughs> yeah, um, just a little bit. It's like so it's, it's quite. Ha- you should be quite happy that it got broken up when uh, he died. Well, yeah. Don't get me wrong, but you know, nature abhors a vacuum. So, where something evil once stood, something else evil likes to take its place. You know, yeah. and and usually. The one thing I found is evil's really boring. Oy. Really, really boring. <laughs> but you wouldn't think it would be, but it is. 
I know, because I read it all the time. <laughs> See, I'm trying to think. Okay. I read some of the short ones. And Alex will be on for the cassette update about seven. So I don't want to read anything really wordy. I guess I'll read the one about the Catholic priest. Uh, yes. And it's not what you think. Some. No, I've been reading it while we're talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, an Ann Arbor Catholic priest has urged his parishioners to arm themselves and attend classes at Christ the King's Parish to earn a concealed pistol license. In a letter sent to Christ the King parishioners recently, the Reverend Eddie Freed explained why he believed it was necessary to get a concealed pistol license because of recent crime in the area. During a Palm Sunday Mass last month, Freed announced that the parish would be holding the CPL class. When some parishioners questioned the decision, Freed sent out a pro-gun letter titled, We're Not in Mayberry Anymore, Toto a reference to the 1960s-era Andy Griffith show and its portrayal of a fictional North Carolina town as well as Dorothy's dog from The Wizard of Oz. It is very common for Christians to simply assume they live in Mayberry, trusting that because they know the Lord Jesus, everything will always be fine and nothing bad can happen to them and their families, Freed wrote. How to balance faith, Reality, prudence, and trust is one of those critical questions that we struggle with our lives. Pretending we are in Mayberry, while we are clearly not, can have a negative consequence for ourselves and those we love, especially those we have a responsibility to protect. If we are not in Mayberry, is there a real threat? Freed told parishioners in the letter that Catholic teachings do not preclude carrying a gun for self-defense and to defend others. Freed then asserted that crime is up and that because of budget cuts, there has been a significant reduction in the availability of an armed police response. Freed could not be reached for comment Monday, but Michael DeBoyd, a spokesman for the Diocese of Landing, which oversees the Ann Arbor Parish, confirmed Monday that the controversial letter had been sent. Yes, it appears that we're not in Mayberry anymore. Toto was sent to the parishioners of Christ the King by their pastor, Friar Ed Freed. Dibro wrote in a letter to the Free Press. Guns and gun lessons do not belong in a Catholic church. Lansing's Catholic Bishop Earl Boya stressed in a statement after they learned about Freed's letter from the Free Press. Boya had never been given permission for anyone to carry a concealed weapon in church or school or in the Diocese of Landing, a statement said a statement released by Diebold. Additionally, Bishop Boyea further states that concealed pistol license classes are inappropriate activities to be held on church property. But crucifixions are fine. Diebold said that the Lansing Diocese plan, um, I'm sorry, ban on weapons in church makes them gun-free zones. Lovely. It's a target on the church and extends to those who want to practice open carry of weapons in full free view. He added that public or professional security provide public safety on church property. Diebold referred to a 2012 statement by the Lansing Bishop. We are followers of Jesus Christ who raised not a hand against those who mocked, tortured, and finally murdered him, Boya said in 2012. While we grasp both the Second Amendment and the legitimate rights of some persons to defend themselves, our churches and our schools are dedicated to a far different approach to life's problems. 
remember when you need a cop. They're only minutes away when you need them in seconds. And that's not a slam against them. That's the way it is. You have to protect you. Sorry. I went off a little bit. In the Mayberry letter, Freed wrote that he was worried about students at a nearby Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor and pointed to a recent incident near the school. The fact that two active shooters got within yards of Father Gabriel Richard before they were taken down by SWAT demonstrates that the threat is real. This druggy couple from Detroit stole a car and it broke down at Plymouth and Dixboro. They went through the woods and had almost reached the high school when they were stopped, wrote Freed. There was zero security at the high school. Had the shooters got in, we would have had our own Columbine, wrote Freed, in a reference to the shooting massacre at a Colorado high school in 1999. A CPL class was held at the church recently by a suburban Detroit police officer. Freed wrote in the letter. Freed said the officer told parishioners that because more Detroiters are protecting themselves, more of the criminals are now targeting the suburbs. That same officer from the CPL class personally thanked me for having the parish do this class and expressed a hope that more would follow suit because having law-abiding citizens armed makes their jobs as police so much better, Freed wrote in the letter. Freed said some parishioners had told him they were afraid of carrying weapons. Several people have said to me, I'm afraid of guns. My response to one woman was, well, how do you feel about rape, wrote Freed. Freed's friend, Jay McNally, said the priest is a beloved pastor, a martial arts practitioner whose sermons bring parishioners to tears. It is a rare day that one finds a priest so well loved that by parishioners at every level, by the old folks, by the young folks, said McNally, a former editor of Detroit's Archdiocese, Michigan Catholic newspaper and conservative Catholic activist, who is the director of the, well, Citizens Alliance for Life and Liberty. McNally said Freed had served at the parish for about 20 years and was also the chaplain for young men considering the priesthood at Ave Maria College when the college started by Domino's Pizza founder and traditional Catholic activist Tom Monahan was located in Ann Arbor. Christ the King Parish has strong ties to traditional conservative Catholics. He's a priest factory, said McNally, describing Freed's service as an inspiration to many young men considering the priesthood. Father Ed quite frequently travels around the country and to be the chaplain for people in the military who die in service at McNally. He's in high demand for that. The whole gun thing is kind of new. He's become very vocal about it, says McNally. There isn't a phony bone in him. In his letter, Freed explained how he grew up a pacifist and was a conscientious objector during the Vietnam War. He converted to Catholicism. He wrote that he veered away from pacifism when he asked himself questions of what would Jesus do? were he to come across women and children being harmed. I eventually concluded that I was certainly no longer a pacifist, absolutist, wrote Freed. There were situations in which I would actively intervene, even to a lethal level, if necessary. So I just thought that was really interesting. Well, it's not as if the church has got a history of shying away from violence. No. No, not really. But I just... I love that. Jesus never raised a hand. Okay. Bankers. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember my religious history correctly, he went a little fucking nutty on the money changers. Yes. In the temple. But he never raised a hand to the people who killed him. Just the money changers. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think this I mean, world is... 
Freddy screwed Concealed up. carry, I don't know about, but... I do. I, 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 I quite like the idea that, you know, if I was in the US, I'd quite like to own a AA-12. <laughs> that would certainly put people off. You can't conceal carry it, of course, but, yeah, there's a reason for that. You, you could try. <laughs> <laughs> if you're really, really big, you might be able to... But not if you've got the drum on it. You know, I just think a lot of things are more difficult than they need to be. Yeah. He was trying to provide a service for the people of his parish. I don't yes. have a problem with that. And let's Other face it, people. it is Detroit, and Detroit is basically a war zone. De- Detroit is, yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Yeah, I And mean, it's not getting better. It's like the people in Detroit watched RoboCop and went, yeah, we'll <laughs> make Detroit like that. I don't think that's what actually happened. It seems to be, though. Mm-hmm. So I'm expecting Ed 209 and Robocop quite soon. Because Detroit is pretty close to what it, <laughs> how it was portrayed in Robocop. Well, yeah, I mean, Detroit is, it looks like downtown Beirut on a bad day. It's it's really bad there. Yeah. It's really bad. It's kind of neat, though, um, when you, and this sounds so weird, the urban decay is actually really kind of spectacular when it's photographed just right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of neat, but it, it really sucks to live there. I wouldn't want to well, live. The weirdest one was when you hear um, Jeremy Clarkson talking about when they filmed in Detroit. They're right in the middle around all the old abandoned factories, and he's going. The only people we saw were the police that were escorting us. Yeah, but uh, they were told by the police that were escorting them. Yeah, if we weren't escorting you. You'd have seen lots of people, and they would have killed you. <laughs> <laughs> always, always a good thing to hear. Yeah, because that's what you yeah. know. They had wonderful film of them using muscle cars in the middle of Detroit. Right. <laughs> no people. No oh, people out to look. You know. Mm. And the police were like, "Well, you're being watched, but nobody's going to show themselves." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're being watched. So enjoy that. Have a nice day. Yeah, Detroit well, is not... They have something like 60 police guarding them while they're filming. It is depressing to see what has happened to Detroit. Yeah. And I just, I can't see why it's a bad thing for people to defend themselves. I've never been able to. But anyway, so I thought that was just kind of cool. Um, right, shall we see if uh, Alex is yes. ready? Yeah. I don't need to find the Skype window. Where's it gone? There it is. Somebody, uh, he's not online. Okay. Well, he's Hang not up. showing us online anyway. Uh, give me a minute. Let me uh, go dig up Alex. <laughs> um, he's hiding. Yeah, he's, it's finally got to him. He's gone for a I, rest. I, I don't. I've got to tell you. I, I love Alex. I don't blame him for being tired. Yeah. It's it's really it's really bad. And like I think it's pretty interesting that yesterday we cuz there were a bunch of calls to, like not even calls to action but like the little local alerts for Florida. Yeah. And 
I started writing them really early. And so Alex did what he usually did. He went into a public vaping group, a Florida vaping group, and he released it with a photo so that, you know, more people click it if there's a picture. Yeah. And some vapor said, good, they should ban it, ban it in public places because people shouldn't have to be exposed to our cloud blowing. And I just wanted to slam my head on the desk and go, really? Okay. You know, it doesn't, isn't that sort of attitude it makes you going when, when, backwards? When you've been as long as we have, and then you get somebody saying something like that. Like, well, I really, I don't understand where that that sort of thinking comes from because it makes no sense to me. It comes from brain death, uh, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I felt bad for for. Alex, because he, he was so... I, I felt bad for him. He seemed really frustrated. And I said, look, this is a character flaw with the person. This person was like this before they ever vaped and probably before they ever smoked. They're, you know, they have a self-defeatist attitude. Oh, why should I bother? Well, um, because not only is this law saying you, you can't vape in public, but you're not going to be able to go to a store and sample anything in public. So yeah. what that's actually doing is screwing the guy behind you. So even if you don't care about you, how can you avoid sending an email and saying, you know, this isn't fair to the guy behind me? You know, because most new vapors need to try stuff out or they're going to spend a shit ton of money on something they hate and probably, you know, not continue with the experience. So, I don't know. I, I don't know if you saw on Sunday my, my little uh, boredom uh, Pete, I got bored at one point and, uh, and did my own sort of call to action. Did you? Yeah. I, I put a link into it in, in uh, the room. Um, <laughs> oh, the stand. Yes, ban the stand. Um, which you I, should I found be. an exceptionally nice photo. Because uh, did, did I think that shirt puppy? should be banned as well. It got a lot of response on Twitter. <laughs> Stan the mechanic is just He's just one of those people Even even if he sees it and, and doesn't like it There's not a lot he can say about what I said on it Because it's true mm. <laughs> You know um, Because you, you know if talk? he says If he takes If he goes on about oh, Bile as in hate speech Which is my intention of course, I can come back and say, no, I was on about your stomach acid. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, you There's could. a reason you use particular words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the IntelliCharger or the, the Nightcore? Oh, right, yes. There's been a story unfolding, uh, mostly today. Um, I, have, I did mention it on um, a show I do on another network. Mm -hmm. But there's been a product warning in Europe for... We thought initially an IntelliCharger D4, that's the DigiCharger, the one with the display on it. Now the fault is the transformer in it wasn't made very well and could short out. And all imports of them have been stopped Europe-wide as of the 24th. Yeah, it says Nightcore um, Mudflap. But... Later in the day, it turns out somebody looked into it further 
and it's probably a counterfeit. <laughs> so yes, watch out, folks. There are counterfeit Nightcore chargers now. Uh, one yeah. of the brands you used to be able to trust has now been counterfeited. So, yeah, isn't it great? Don't yeah. you just feel happy about that? I mean, I know I'm really happy about that. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and unless the 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 cloners uh, fix the problem, the way you can spot the current batch of dodgy ones is at the bottom on the box. It should say worldwide insurance but there's a spelling mistake instead of an e at the end of worldwide it's got a c mm -hmm. but otherwise the, everything's identical looks identical hologram stickers safety warnings everything the same apart from that one letter wrong on the packaging oh and the fact that the transformer in it might start a fire in your house well yeah, that's a problem. Well, just think about yeah. uh, as I was pointing out to somebody, say you mm -hmm. have four eighteen six fifties in it charging, right? <laughs> and it goes <laughs> on fire. It's not too long time. The four batteries will also go on fire, and you'll have a little fireworks display inside your house. Yeah, but you'll also be <sighs> lithium-ion batteries are not the nicest thing. Yeah. <laughs> So, to smell. Um, yeah, you don't really want to be exposed to those gases if you can help it. No. Lithium is highly toxic. Yeah, well. Inhalation. And, you know, it's, it's a treat for a lot of people who uh, are getting mental health treatment. They just get that shit and sit in a corner and drool all day and they're happy as shit. No, it's, it's a mood stabilizer. Different it's kind of lithium. Really I know, doses. it's yeah. lithium salt. It's a different yeah. thing. I know. I know somebody that was on lithium. <laughs> didn't seem to stop him being violent when he needed to be, but yeah. Well, yeah. There is that. I, I guess I'm just going to keep reading since I don't know... I don't know where Alex is and you don't want I'll, me to do... I'll keep an eye on to see if he comes oh. on to Skype. Yeah. Okay, I went chasing does, after... I'll let you know. <laughs> I don't, uh... I don't see him anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the Hill. This comes from The Hill. And, um... I don't think anybody thought, anybody who listened to this show anyway, thought this was a viable alternative to vote for. But just in case you did, uh, Jeb Bush praises Obama over NSA spying. Jeb Bush, a likely presidential contender, who also said his, his presidential hero was Lyndon B. Johnson and he wanted to govern like him. Holy fuck. Uh, a likely presidential contender said Tuesday that President Obama's greatest accomplishment was keeping in place controversial spying programs at the National Security Agency. I would say the best part of the Obama administration would be his continuance of the protections of the homeland using big metadata programs, Bush said in an interview on the Michael Melvid radio show. Bush argued that the NSA programs had been enhanced under Obama, even if the president never defends them or openly admits it. Uh, the former U.S. governor said the NSA's bulk collection of America's phone data was an important service carried out in a way that protects individual civil liberties. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, he lauded the Obama administration for refusing to buckle under pressure from Democrats, civil liberties groups, and some Republicans. He has not abandoned them, Bush said. 
critics of the NSA programs say they're a massive affront to individual privacy, while defenders say they're a crucial tool in uncovering and combating terrorism. The issue has revealed an early split among some Republican presidential contenders. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, who has long been a critic of programs, sued the Obama administration last year about collection of phone records. And Senator Ted Cruz of Texas co-sponsored legislation that would have dramatically scaled back the program by requiring the spy agencies to first get a court order before obtaining records from private phone companies. Bush on Tuesday also took a swipe at the president, saying his other greatest accomplishment was delivering on two of the biggest wave elections since the 1920s to Republicans, turning his fire on Hillary Clinton, that bitch, who's running for the Democratic presidential nomination. Bush said the former Secretary of State's early campaign appearances looked contrived. Clinton is hitting early voting states in a black van she's dubbed the Scooby-Doo van. Yeah, I've mentioned it before, but I think the Bush family have have a serious problem with uh, well, that. They seem to be reversing evolution. Yeah, well, they reversed evolution in the 1930s when you know, Great Grandpa Bush helped the Nazis get into fucking power. Yeah. Let's please not forget that. Okay, yeah, it has accelerated How do these people in get to be years? fucking American royalty? Yeah, I mean, it's accelerated in recent years. George Bush Sr., very clever guy. Son, disaster. Jeb, <laughs> it's getting worse. It seems to have accelerated in the recent generations. Jeb is interesting. He has that whole uh, big head, I might be a mongoloid thing going on with him. Well, the Bush, the Bush lot now it, it is like the Beverly Hillbillies. It's like a, a bunch of hillbillies have been given all this money. <laughs> That's what it's like, you know. As a as a European uh, looking from the outside, I shall mention. But yeah, it reminds me of the Beverly Hillbillies. It really does. I wish it reminded me of that. It's like the worst puppet show on earth. Yeah. This really, I've got to say, I don't think I've ever seen. It's like a replay of 2008. And in my head, I'm asking myself, really, is this what the American people deserve? This is what you deserve? This is the best we can come up with? I mean, I can see becoming a conscientious objector if this is the best we've got. And uh, Rand Paul... If it keeps going the way it's going in your country and mine and Europe in general, I can see them having a lot of volunteers to go to Mars. Can we get off the planet, please? You're all crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. I I don't even I don't want to go to Mars. I I I, I actually, don't want to, but it might be the safest thing to do. I actually like it here. Um, so yeah, um, I'm not entirely convinced that the people that are you know pushed in front of us as our choices to vote for are, I don't think any of them are a good idea. I, I don't, I don't, and I don't know how to say this. I don't really, I'm not a fan of, uh, Rand Paul 
says things that just make me want to scream. And it's not that uh-huh. he's not his dad. I mean, I think his dad was sane in a lot of ways. Um, well, all of that the, you don't all the politicians s- mentioned in that lost story, you can't trust any of them. Oh, no. They're all nutcases. Yeah. Well, I mean... Ted if Cruz you look is at, the most reasonable of them, and even he's I don't dangerous. even think that's true. Um, no. But when I'm going to... I don't like Hillary Clinton. I have a lot of reasons not to like her. One of the biggest reasons I have not to like her is Libya. Okay. No, things I, were relatively I, I, I disliked her long long. Oh, that. I did too. But what I'm saying is um things were relatively stable. Yeah. Over there before she was like, "Oh yeah, let's kill him." She wants to bomb Iran and Iraq. I'll be fair, that is a preoccupation of many of your politicians. I just I have real issues with most of the candidates. Yeah. And I think we can do better. I mean, I do. I just do. I, I, I got my uh, postal ballot for my uh, election the other day. I haven't heard of any of the candidates. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I'm because you... vote for people who are all new. Three, three of the parties have put forward new candidates, you see. So it's like... <laughs> lovely. So I've no I... idea how crazy they are. I don't even know... I got to tell you, I don't even know what what to say about these people anymore. They're all out of their freaking minds. All of them. Yeah. But, yeah, no, you're right. Bombing equals reconstruction equals contracts. And that's absolutely true. Um, She's as Hillary Clinton in the thing she has voted for, considering that the left is supposed to be the pacifist party the yeah. Peaceful Party, the Civil Liberties Party. She's right up there with the biggest war hawks that we have oh, yeah. in I Congress. Mean, She's as bad. She votes for right. the same I mean, stuff as they vote for. He, he had a few problems, but Bill I actually quite liked. Um, well, I, he actually good, yeah. did good things for the American economy and stuff. It was his personal life that was the problem. Whereas she is a smug bitch, to put it in the best possible terms. <laughs> Has she nothing thinks because of what she went through with him that she can get away with anything. But it, she lies. You know, she's she's tainted me. I can't imagine anybody would vote for her. And I, I really didn't intend to go off on a tirade against the Democratic candidate tonight. But I, I'll <laughs> tell you what. I wish Bernie Sanders would run. I don't like Bernie Sanders. I think he's got screws loose all over the fucking place. Okay, but I will tell you what I think a vote for him is a lot better than a vote for Hillary, because I think he honestly fucking believes he's doing the right thing. Yeah, her if you if you take the two of them and look at their donation sheets side by side, you can see who gives these candidates money. And when your number one donor is like J.P. Morgan Chase, you should be shot. Well, she, you should she be shot. Can, she is the candidate with the biggest history of dodgy money. <laughs> I don't think... Because when she think, became first lady, she used that to uh, do all those lovely dodgy deals. Mm. 
a lot of the the Clinton history is worse than that. Yeah, it's it's much worse than that. There's a trail of dead bodies behind these people. That's amazing. If you sat down and you just looked at all the dead people they left in their wake, you'd go, "Holy shit! These people shouldn't be running for office. They should be in a jail cell." And I think that's probably true of most of the candidates on the ballot. Yep. So, it's the same over yeah. here. It's crazy. Shit. I mean, we have a labor, a labor um, leader who basically went up against his own brother <laughs> in a quite a dirty campaign to become leader mm. of the Labour Party. And that's the guy you know they want to put in, in front of us to say, "Yeah, vote for this guy." It's like, really? He screwed any- over his own brother. <laughs> Truthfully, I think anybody who wants to be elected has some real issues. Anybody who wants to run these countries has some real problems, and they should not be trusted. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Nobody sane runs for office. I guess well, I should put it that There way. are a few by accident, but they don't end up staying sane for that long. I don't know. I think... I just said Bernie Sanders. I think Bernie Sanders has been the same his whole career. I don't think his rhetoric has changed. I respect him for that. I think Ron Paul was the same for his entire career. I don't think his rhetoric had changed. I like exactly three people in Congress right now. And I think I can trust about one of them. Uh, I think... Thomas Massey and Justin Amash are amazing. I think Justin Amash is amazing because he gets on his Facebook page and explains every single vote he makes in Congress. I think Thomas Massey is amazing because he's just not bought and paid for by those people. He just seems like a normal guy. Not today. Who knows what tomorrow will bring. But, um, those are the only people I really like in Congress, and, and the rest of them are just, like, shady fucking crooks. Okay. I, I really hope Hillary doesn't get elected, and a lot of people have been saying, well, it's time to elect a woman. So this is how it's going, right? So look, look, we, we got a black person, all, and all we the, elected all him. All to look at, right, the whole woman argument thing, right? We've had that in the UK. Didn't mm-hmm. go so well, right? All right. <laughs> It was one of the most disastrous things that ever happened in UK politics. Uh, Yeah, but... And and it was similar. We ended up with a complete bitch in charge. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you grasp that that whole mindset of we have to do the politically correct thing. Okay, so we've had a black person, so now we're going to vote for a woman, and after that, fucking debacle we're gonna what we're gonna find an evil gay person and put them in office i mean there must be an evil gay person That's out a, there that could no, run for to, president doesn't have to be completely evil but sadistic you could have um scott capuro right <laughs> scott capuro for president he's opinionated uh crazy and really likes upsetting people he'd do a great job <laughs> i'm just saying uh, i think- just come online Oh, yay. I think we could do better. Okay. Yeah. But at least Scott Caputo's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mean to... Funny yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Well, I, I, I had my see. rant for this evening. Yeah, Sorry. We shall see if we can get Alex. <laughs> Give him a couple of minutes to uh, settle in. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Get him. It, it was all right. You guys needed to hear me ranting about politically correct voting, didn't you? I take it that's Alex contacting you. Yeah. Yeah, and hear your Skype. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can hear my Skype. I I muted all my Skype sounds. Ah. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. Let's see if we can get Alex. Okay. Um, he's, he's getting, let him get a coffee. He just, All right, okay. he, no he's so, he's, he's like everybody else doing legislative now. Yeah. We're all just kind of like grabbing catnaps and going, Oh God, what horrible thing is happening now? What's next? I mean, I, I came home from work and I said, okay, I'm going to take a nice nap. And I wound up writing like three, three local alerts and going, this is never going to stop. If if the FDA doesn't do something, right, doesn't pass some rules in June like they say they're going to, we're not going to get a reprieve in this country. Yep. Everybody who does, like, the legislative stuff is going to be so fucking frazzled by the time we take these bastards to court. It's it's not going to be funny. <sighs> yeah, I mean, we, the, the, prob the problem you've had is um, the USA's so big and mm. so spread out whereas yeah Europe is as big but it's hard to explain the people are more concentrated the major populations are more concentrated right um, so it was much easier for us to organize stuff and when we did do a, the few protests we did mm -hmm. the public at least noticed it even if yeah. the media didn't bother covering it you know, you had well. people in the street going, what are you doing? Well, <laughs> doing this. And well, you we know... Got to talk to a lot of people. But you haven't had it, that really in the US. Um, no, we don't. And... Everything's let's be honest. spread out. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. It, no matter what, each one of us is only going to touch a fraction of the lives we need to touch to make a big enough impact to save this thing. Well, so, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I try and advocate. I'm not great at it, but uh, mm -hmm. my proudest moment is just about most pre pre all vapors getting added. Most of my friends on Facebook uh, signed up to most of the petitions, and that's nice. I get encouraging comments off them. <laughs> I when I first started on Facebook, um, and they haven't unfriended me. More importantly, that's nice. <laughs> With all the when, vaping stuff going on. Yeah, when I first started um, on Facebook, it was like years and years ago, and I used to be the admin for a forum, so I used to just go there to game. So most of my friends are on that I'm still friends with there are, are like big gamers. It's kind of funny. Elite All the games are game. shitty. <laughs> All the games are really shitty. They used to not be bad, but they're really yeah. terrible now. So. Yeah. Well, I started playing Elite Dangerous at the weekend. Very good game. I, you know, brought back I, many memories. <laughs> I, I really need to get started in playing Call of Cthulhu again. It's been a while. <laughs> Is that yeah. the, the the proper the RPG version? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's but been a really long time. The D20 version or the original version? Uh, the D20. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> I know, I'm not a purist. 
At least I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> Other people would be like, huh? <laughs> I, 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 I t- I'm even worse. We, we play our own customized version. We don't even use dice anymore. That's probably, cards. that's probably the way to go about people, it. People can't cheat drawing playing cards too easily. True. Uh, whereas people, players do like cheating on dice rolls. I'm sure you've seen a lot of that. Yeah, you you do actually. People pick them up a certain way, hold them a certain way. People want to come in with their own dice, and it's like, no, <laughs> no, we know ours aren't loaded. No, you're not playing that way. See, we, uh, I, I'm part of quite a hardcore gaming group, and yeah, mm-hmm. most we uh, rewrote most of the games, different games <laughs> rules, so that you use playing cards, because then it's Makes quite sense. easy to spot when people start cheating. It's like hmm, well, you seem to have had an awful lot of. Kings? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, haven't you had the stroke of good luck? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, so it means if people run in the games, even um, people, you know, stack their deck in advance. Uh-huh. That was one somebody tried. But of course the GM, <laughs> after the first couple of times, spots it. And right. can then make the guy draw cards for something stupid. <laughs> that mm-hmm. isn't going to affect the game and get rid of all his good cards. So you shouldn't start your deck. <laughs> <sighs> no, I, I don't actually like uh, Minecraft. I like a lot of, if I'm going to play a video game, a proper Xbox 360 or Xbox One game, I like it to be a first-person shooter. Uh, I find those are great stress relievers. Yeah, there's. I, I, I feel there's <laughs> nothing quite like being on um, Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas. And, mm. and running around headshotting people. Uh, All out it is Vegas. strangely, yeah. Soothing. It's satisfying. Yeah. Although I play sniper elite games as well, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm running not really shooting people in the head. <laughs> if somebody was asking what Kevin's email is, isn't it Kevin at VP Live Network? I don't know. Dot com. Uh, crap if I know. Um, so, uh, give me. Let but me. Yes, uh, send if you, if you ever fancy a space trading game, anybody out there? Elite Dangerous, very good. Multiplayer, you know, you can go on with your friends. <laughs> Team up and fly around the universe together. And I do mean, they seem to be. this. The map seems to be the whole Milky Way. Although at the moment it's just a little corner of it. Yeah. A couple of hundred light years across. <laughs> so quite small, you know. Right. No, I, I know what you mean. It's um kind it, of It's quite just soothing the way it flying is. around looking at like, ooh, that's a nice picture of, you know. That planet looks nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Future updates you'll be able to land on them. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I don't do that all that much. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I kind of miss gaming. I don't get a chance to do that as well, much as I used yeah. to. I mean, the, the only, up until Elite Dangerous, the only online game that I still play is World of Tanks. 
<laughs> but now, but now I'm getting back into flight games. I might start playing World of Warplanes as well. World of Warplanes. Yeah. That sounds like oh, fun. This year we should be getting World of uh, um, Warships as well. World of Warships, World mm-hmm. of Warplanes, World of Tanks. Yep. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of... Oh, you know what I think the worst thing I ever saw was? Did anybody see the movie for the, for the game Battleship? <laughs> yeah. The film wasn't <laughs> actually that bad. It wasn't good, it, though. It, it, but it was funny seeing them try to cram in yeah. the Battleship's game <laughs> <laughs> into the story. It's like, I know. oh my god. I, I mean, the film I, itself, you know, if it hadn't been called Battleship, would have been okay. Ew. Yeah, I, well... It's the fact that it's based on this Hasbro game. <laughs> You're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um... Okay, you want to head? Want to go ahead and add Alex? Okay, here Thank we go. Thank you. Hi, Alex. Oh, there he is. Hi, Alex. Good evening. Oh, <laughs> uh, good evening. Um, and welcome to the Casa update for the week of four twenty-seven, twenty fifteen. Hi, Alex. How have you been? <sighs> tired <laughs> it just isn't stopping no no not at all yay <sighs> um yeah sorry i'm so late i came home i i told you i tried to lay down for 30 minutes and it turned into two hours so yeah somehow but- I, I got caught up on some sleep i guess you needed it. You, you can't burn the candle at both ends like this. I no. mean, it, it can be done, but it shouldn't have to be. And this is the worst legislative season I've ever seen. So you are quite the, you are quite the trooper. Well, if anything, uh, this is a, uh, healthy warning for what to expect next year. So oh, good God. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, you know, as far as weeks go, um, last week was not as busy for mm-hmm. us anyway. Um, right. We've had a lot of, existing calls to action that kind of got, um, I guess, you know, second or third alerts got released for, um, Indiana. Uh, there is a huge push to get people signing or I'm sorry, sending emails and making phone calls to the governor to veto, um, is that HB 1432? Uh, just to have these things seared into my brain by now. Um, There's so many, though. And, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to just look this up just to get it right. Uh, 1432, that is the one. Um, so, Indiana people, please um, send emails. And for those that don't know, that is the bill that will destroy the vaping industry in Indiana. Um very strange and onerous licensing requirements. Yeah. Um, 
we also have, uh, this is not so much an active call to action at the moment, but um, for those that, that weren't able to follow um, the hearing last week, we were actually able to send uh, both Karen Carey of CASA and uh, Carl Phillips, our chief scientific advisor, to uh, testify in Boston, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, that's always, phenomenal. It's always great when we. Well, it's I can't say that it's great, but it's it's it, when we have one of these hearings pop up in the neighborhood of one of our board members. It's it's uh, it's nice to be able to send somebody. Um, right. It's not it's not nice to have to send somebody, but it's it's good that that we can offer that. Um, yeah. And most of the time we're going out of our own uh, free will. Well, different, maybe in Carl's case. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's, it is sort of on behalf of on our own behalf. That I guess that's what I was looking for. Um, right. But uh, anyway. Um, so that was actually a pretty decent experience from what I understand because the attorney general is actually interested in working with stakeholders on this. Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't heard anything since because, well, I mean, it's just Monday, but, um, uh, you know, we were actually able to submit, uh, markups on, uh, the attorney general's proposed regulation, which was mm-hmm. an interesting project to work on. Right. Um, I was afraid that I would have, I was going to dream of strike throughs and underlines and red <laughs> and blue text when I went to sleep that night. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, I, my, my, all the romance of amending legislation has sort of been destroyed for me. Um, There's no romance <laughs> in that. There's no romance in that. I always imagined that it would be fun, and um, I yeah. am sorely mistaken. So it's a job um, of work. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, that's why that's why interns get paid so little to do it. Um, it's a tough job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, anyway, that was, uh, like I said, a good experience, and I hope that the Attorney General will take our suggestions to heart. Um, everybody should be following this particular issue. Any, everybody in Massachusetts should be paying attention to this. Um, there is sort of speculation that whatever comes of the um, 940 CMR uh, 21 uh, that that will that language will make its way into state legislation that is pending or has been introduced uh, that would deal with the similar issue of um, child resistant packaging prohibiting sales to minors and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so and those details, of course, are available on our blog, the Massachusetts Call to Action. Um, Minnesota vapors are desperately seeking participation in their call to action. And I think they are including our call to action as well on HF 848, which um, I believe we discussed this last week, but just want to bring it up again. Um, The bill sponsor, I believe, took the language from HF 2182 
right. cut and paste it into another tax bill that absolutely <laughs> must pass. And um, this is yeah. the same garbage with it'd be a 30 cent per milliliter tax on e-liquid. I'm not going right. to go into the voodoo math on this one, but um, <laughs> uh, just so that everyone is aware. Uh, Minnesotans should be taking advantage of the time now and sending emails. Uh, you can do that through us, or you can follow Minnesota Vapors Association. Minnesota's Va- Minnesota Vaping Advocacy Yes, uh, has their own call to action on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as far as I know, that's all the good news that I have for this week. Um, <laughs> uh, prompt, promptly to be followed by the bad news Mm-hmm. which is House Bill 940 in Hawaii yeah. uh, was, I believe, signed into law, which would mean, I don't have a, a date on this, but um, probably effective January 1st of 2016, um, the state of Hawaii will go the way of New Jersey and prohibit the use of electronic cigarettes in indoor places, indoor public places. Um, And I don't believe I'll have to go through this with another, another pass at it. I don't believe there was an exemption for dedicated vapor retail shops. Um, yeah, man, it just, it just burns me. Uh, I'm reading the first sentence. Electronics, and it's electronic smoking devices here, is potentially hazardous to health and disruptive to an orderly, productive work environment. Oh, so we're not just concerned about uh, breathing in secondhand vape. We're talking about, you know, an unintentional Product- work slowdown here. So Productivity at work. Well, I mean, and that's... I don't I don't know how familiar anybody is with the anti-smoking language. I'm really familiar with it. You're going to start seeing a lot more than more of that. Um they're just taking stuff from the anti-smoking playbook and trying to apply it to vaping. Um and apparently Hawaii's pretty good at it. Unfortunately. And you know, whatever they do, you know, somebody else is going to do which is horrific. Yeah. Hawaii is bad. Um, sorry. Well, I do want to say this is not, uh, you know, the, this is, this is it. Thank you for at least clarifying that. I wasn't, I, I guess we all should have known when a dozen bills popped up this year that Hawaii was going to be, um, that this is Hawaii's thing, I guess, yeah. is proposing horrible anti-tobacco, anti-nicotine well, I mean, legislation. But I do want to say that the Hawaii Vapors United, um, as far as I know, kind of sprung up this year. Uh, this is a group of people that saw the threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all must have been paying attention prior oh. to this, but got organized. And um, these guys, I feel, did a phenomenal job organizing and uh-huh. building you know, these web, web tools for people to participate. So I, I really want to say, and this is, this is just one, there's another bill coming around the corner. I, I think that's getting transmitted to the governor to raise the legal age to purchase to 21. Um, 
but I, I, I just, I, I want to say that, you know, that it, for us, it, it actually took a, a monumental effort, effort, I think, for Greg Conley to sift through all of the bills that were proposed and try mm-hmm. to figure out a way to present it um, right. accurately to inform people. Uh, mm-hmm. And then after that, I think all of us were sort of scratching our heads of how, how are we going to track and, uh, and and deal with all of this. And mm-hmm. while we were trying to figure things out, Hawaii Vapors United stepped up and, and really provided a bunch of wonderful tools for people there. So um, They did. And, you know, they did all the right things. Do you know what I mean? They did a they did a great job. They they got industry working together with the general public. Um, they got people psyched up and involved. They were very involved and in, on Facebook and and just trying to gather momentum. They did all the right things. They really did. What happens next is not their fault. It's not yeah. that they didn't try. They've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah, so moving forward, uh, you know, at least uh, Hawaii people, Hawaii vapors, um, Hawaii tobacco harm reduction advocates have uh, at least some sort of infrastructure together to uh, work to change these bills as they hopefully we're only looking at to becoming law this year. So um, anyway, uh, you know, we're here to support their efforts as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, on the other side of the coin, um, having been in New Jersey as long as, well, I started vaping in New Jersey and still live in New Jersey. Um, I can tell you that most people, uh, in vapor shops do not, um, adhere to the indoor vaping prohibition, um, I have seen a lot of people, a lot of new vapors don't know about the law and end up vaping in public places anyway. Right. And to, for the most part, uh, unless you're chucking huge clouds, which I don't see very regularly, I don't mm-hmm. really go out much. Um, <laughs> but still, yeah. um, you know, people that own businesses don't seem to mind it all of that much and aren't going to say anything it's still law and it's still confusing to people who might do that bit of research. Uh, and it's still horrible and it still needs to be amended. But for the most part, the kind of unspoken rule is that, uh, you know, it doesn't really bother people all that much to be honest. Um, so, well, I, I would say, I would say, I think that's true of, of most of the, um, laws that get passed that that are like that be it uh, smoking or vaping uh, a lot of those laws don't really seem to bother the business owner too much you know what I mean Um, it's unfortunate that it infringes upon their rights to decide how to run their business that's that's the unfortunate part yeah and of course there's always another the third side of this coin is that um, it, it does give sort of over overzealous local health departments, uh, you know, a reason to harass people, which, again, for all of my silver linings, um, we have had that here in New Jersey as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyway, a, a long road ahead for Hawaii to 
work to amend this this law. Um, and again, I'm, I don't I, I don't believe there's an exemption for uh, vapor shops. Um, yeah. I, I don't want to give the final word on that, but um, uh, as it's written, it's in the same places where smoking is prohibited. So um, yeah. anyway. I'm sure someone in Hawaii has a better answer than I do, and uh, that people that need to know. So that's good. <sighs> um, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this to probably 15 minutes this week. Hopefully, um, I can say that uh, I just got a bunch of local alerts in my inbox, and I am uh, painfully behind on all of that. Uh, but something to look forward to this week would be, uh, I believe, Montgomery County, Maryland, is looking at taxing electronic <laughs> cigarettes. Lovely. Um, I, I don't have that in front of me, but just be on the lookout for that. Um, and if I could help it, that would be a regular old, uh, that would be something CQ roll call-ish, where people are pointing and clicking and sending emails. Um, right. This would be the first county mm-hmm. in the country that is proposing a tax uh, most of this has been happening at the state level, so this is a sort of a municipal right. uh, level tax. Um, and Montgomery County apparently is very uh, entrenched in their anti-nicotine, anti-tobacco ways, um, right. so that would be a difficult fight. Um, I do believe I need to finish this up tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Denver, Colorado is looking at it sounds like a sample ban. Um, I don't. I don't. Colorado used to be so cool, man. I don't know what happened. Um, now you can get high there. Yeah, I just you can't sample the product in the store, um, and you can't use your relatively non-threatening vapor product either. Um, anyway, that there's a public hearing tomorrow night. All this okay. stuff is happening tomorrow night, by the way. I, okay. I had I had busy, like, personal life things to do this weekend, and I was not able how, to... How dare you? I <laughs> was not able to sit in front of the computer. Um, sometimes that happens. I'll help in a little bit. If if what I do is considered help, I'll help in a little bit. So. It is helpful, and as far as the, the Florida stuff, I think... Um, I did discover that there is a group in Florida that has been putting out these alerts... Um, which is great. Uh, it means I don't have to worry so much about them uh, because Florida is is starting to, the, the municipalities in Florida are starting to oh, get yeah. active with this stuff, um, yep. which is, uh, it's unfortunate, uh, but on the other side of that, uh, we have a lot of members in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully we can, Hopefully we're looking at another group that we can just sort of rebroadcast things and send people to go to and uh, get them engaged. Um, so, uh, yeah, Florida, I've got a few things coming up. I believe there's something tonight and a couple of things tomorrow night. Uh, so Orange County. And Orange, Orange City. Orange City, Orange City, Orange County. It's, so yeah, there's a, it's there's all... A, there's a, there's a meeting tonight at Port in Port St. St. Lucie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a meeting tomorrow night at 7 p.m. In, in Orange City, Florida. Yep. Um, that's Ordinance 526, um, which is an indoor use ban. Um, 
And I think that you and I were discussing whether or not that would prohibit samples. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not really sure on that. I, I, it looks weirdly worded to me. But I'm, you know, I don't have the wealth of experience with the stuff that like you do and Greg does. I just the wording strikes me as odd. Well, this is one of those examples of why we prefer things include preemption. Um, meaning that the state sets a law and, uh, counties and municipalities are not allowed to do anything more restrictive. Um, the, the, one of the arguments that they're making is that the state law in in Florida preempts, uh, counties or cities from making stricter regulations for smoking, but because the law doesn't address e-cigarettes that counties can do whatever they want. So they are yeah. taking full advantage of it. That's that's to me, that's a problem. That's that's yeah. a weaselly workaround that is just it's weaselly. It's 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 disgusting, it's despicable. But it's uh it's what they do. I guess. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, you don't want the good kids in Florida hanging out with the bad kids. So there's always that concern of once, you know, one or two places start doing this, then it just sort of spreads like wildfire. Um, yep. And I guess in Florida, that's a, that's a brush fire. Um, so, huh. um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, there is an organization paying attention to that. I'm not going to mention them by name because I haven't vetted them. Uh, and they have under a hundred likes on their Facebook page, but, um, <laughs> I'm not being at least, weird. Just I'm at just least to, they're no. At least they're yeah. trying. You know, yeah. I, it's it's really hard with this stuff because I know the Florida information I'm getting. I'm getting from a vendor who's not Kevin Skipper, who you would assume this information would come from. Right. It's not coming to me that way at all, and it's this stuff is so small that it's not showing up in no- local news stories either. So I can't track it that way. I mean, they're getting really shifty in how they're doing stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's very hard to find. Well, this is, this is part of their playbook. You know, once mm-hmm. enough municipalities do it, it's hard enough to fight this battle at the state level. I think yeah. it's probably cheap. It might even be cheaper for them to do this county by county. It's, you know, Probably. for them, it's just a matter of sending a little information packet with some misinformation and yep. convincing local lawmakers that, you know, this is this is a notch in your your headboard. Um, <laughs> you know, let's let's get this done. And yep. they think, you know, OK, we're doing something good for a community or whatever. Um, mm. We're, we're, we're uh, making curtailing. more grant money available or something. Um, we're curtailing everyone's freedoms. Yay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so, Hey, we're humans. We can't be trusted. So, um, <laughs> is that the problem? That's it. That's all it is. <sighs> so I think that, uh, just about wraps it up. Um, okay. and just, I know that in the next few days we're going to see some more excitement, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's for next week's update. <laughs> more excitement. Ooh, you make it sound like so much fun. I'm trying. Hardly week. I'm at the edge. I'm on the edge of my chair. So you, um, paid for the, you paid for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. That's it. <laughs> um, 
you have to laugh about this stuff. This stuff is pretty horrendous to wade through and look at. I can't, I can't imagine how you do it, how Greg does it, how Julie does it. The local stuff's bad enough, um, and I don't mind doing it. I don't mind helping, but uh, I, I really think this stuff is going to turn into a, a full time job. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I have to pay attention to my real full-time job. So unfortunately, oh, I know. I'm not talking I, about, been, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've had to dial back as much attention I as know. I was able to pay, um, over the winter. Uh, the winter is a slow, slow time for me, uh, at right. work. So I can, I actually can get away with not actually watching the office so much, but, right. um, you know, that has changed dramatically in the past couple of weeks. So, you know, what's funny? Um, it's it's the opposite from my slow time, so I can help out a little more. Hopefully, that'll work out better. Yeah. <laughs> Cover a little more ground. Yeah. Um, I, I would actually, just to, to close things out, so we keep it in, mm-hmm. within a reasonable time here. Um, right. We, of course, have just released, uh, I think we did it last week, but I just sent the email blast out this weekend. Um, we have our second uh, FDA workshop related call to action. Right. Um, and I sent that email out to 50,000 people over the weekend, which mm-hmm. maximizes the number of vacation responders I get. Um, <laughs> and, um, so, uh, please call to action regarding the FDA workshop. Uh, we have two different levels of participation on this one. One is a very basic submission. The other is more detailed. We have some some topic suggestions to get you started, um, and uh, this one was slightly better than the first one. Uh, and so there's some there's a very real opportunity for people to present some very real information to the FDA on uh, you know, the sort of the health effects of these products and you know, a lot of your personal experiences. Um, and so please take advantage of that. I wish there were an easy link for that. Uh, maybe for next week I will have a, a bit.ly link that I can just say that will magically take you to these calls to action. Um, that would be, yeah, those would be, that would um, be awesome. But uh, I, I assume that most people listening are Arkansas members and, and do get our uh, email mm-hmm. alerts. So um, check your emails, folks. Uh, we mm-hmm. sent you the link this weekend. Everything's there. Uh, and, uh, of course, as always, please submit your personal success story to our testimonials project. Um, that's a very easy one. That's on our website. It's front and center. Testimonials at Kassad.org. If you don't want to go to the website, I don't imagine why you wouldn't want to go. There's tons of information there for you. Um, On Facebook, I'm going to do it again. On Facebook, we are the the official CASA Facebook page, which is CASA.org Facebook page. We are also the We Are CASA group on Facebook, which is more of the, the member chat group. It's very active. There's a lot of information there. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CASA Media. We are just because playing Casa org on Google plus. Um, and if you haven't already, please come and join us. There's a lot of people working really hard to help you 
defend yourself against these people that are pushing back uh, against your personal liberties. We want to help you keep your right to vape or snooze or use a reduced harm product in public without being regulated out of existence. So come join us. We want to help you. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Jan. Have a good night. I'll see you in a bit. Likewise. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya. Doesn't that sound like fun? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's almost, in a way, it's almost so ridiculous because there's just little teeny tiny places cropping up all over the damn place. Yeah. Um, That's the hard stuff, I think, because there's just so much of it. So, yeah. Um, I guess I should go back to lost my shit over Hillary Clinton for like a half hour before Alex came <laughs> on. I, I probably should stop doing that. Uh, we talked about Mitch McConnell and the DVD and do you own the things you buy or do you just get a long-term lease? So, okay. This is from the District Sentinel. Federal, federal license plate reader program operating with zero accountability. There's a shock The Department of Homeland Security's deployment of license plate surveillance systems along U.S. border crossings is being carried out with virtually no contracting oversight, a violation of the department's own policy, according to a watchdog report published Wednesday. In a review of 22 major DHS acquisition programs worth billions of dollars, the Government Accountability Office found the Land Border Integration Bill which deploys license plate readers for customs and border protection, continues to grow significantly year over year, despite operating without proper supervision. There's a shock. Department leadership has not yet approved an LBI baseline establishing the program's cost, schedule, and performance parameters, the GAO notes in its report. Five other DHS programs, including four within CBP, were also found to be lacking baselines as required by department policy which prevented the GAO from assessing whether the programs were on track to meet their cost estimates and schedules. CBP's license plate tracking system has grown rapidly since it was first created in 2001 to cover 51 traffic lanes at U.S. border crossings. By 2014, the number of lanes under its watch had increased to 158, with total funds appropriated for the effort topping out at over $860 million. In a study, GAO found that the projected funding for the program is not keeping up with increasing costs. LBI is projected to receive less than 75% of its required funding across fiscal years 2017 and 2018, the report states. In a separate observation, the watchdog noted that LBI had a 30% staffing gap in 2014. A claim disputed by management was said the program was adequately staffed. DHS was also reminded by the GAO that a previous study have reached similar conclusions as the report published Wednesday. A September 2012 review of the 63 major acquisition programs found that 43 lacked a department-approved cost estimate and performance goals. Under the department implements recommendations requiring baselines on all future acquisitions, GAO warned that department leadership and Congress will be hindered in their efforts to hold the programs accountable for their performance. I think that's kind of the point. 
In January, the Wall Street Journal reported on a separate Justice Department and Drug Enforcement Agency license plate tracking program that contains records about hundreds of millions of American drivers, a trove of information that several other law enforcement agencies, including CBP, have access to. Revelations prompted the chairmen and ranking members of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Chuck Grassley and Patrick Leahy, to pen a letter to Attorney General Eric Holder, raising privacy concerns about the license plate database and requesting more information about the surveillance program. And as always, we heard nothing back. It's a shock, isn't it? Oh, really? <laughs> no, it never is. Um, I don't know. I, I think I covered everything I said I was going to cover. Oh, not this one, though. Oh, it's so sad. Um, House passes cybersecurity bill despite privacy protests. Congress is hell-bent on passing a cybersecurity bill that can stop the wave of hacker breaches hitting American corporations because fuck the people, we care about the corporations. And they're not letting the protests of a few dozen privacy and civil liberty organizations get in their way. Because digital liberty means nothing to these bastards. On Wednesday, the House of Representatives voted 307 to 116 to pass the Protecting Cyber Networks Act, a bill designed to allow more fluid sharing of cybersecurity threat data between corporations and government agencies. That new system for sharing information is designed to act as a real-time immune system against hacker attacks, allowing companies to warn one another via government intermediaries about the tools and techniques of advanced hackers. But privacy critics say it also threatens to open up a new back channel for the surveillance of American citizens. There's a shock. In some cases, granting the same companies legal immunity to share their users' private data with government agencies that include the NSA. PCNA would significantly increase the National Security Agency's access to personal information and authorize the federal government to use that information for a myriad of purposes unrelated to cybersecurity, reads a letter signed this week earlier by 55 civil liberty groups and security experts that includes the American Civil Liberties Union, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, the Freedom of the Press Foundation, Human Rights Watch, and many others. The revisions of the past two years concerning the intelligence community's abuses of surveillance authorities and the scope of its collection and use of individuals' information demonstrates the potential for the government overreach, particularly when statutory language is broad or ambiguous, the letter concludes. PCNA fails to provide strong privacy protections or adequately clarify about what actions can be taken, what information can be shared, and how that information may be used by the government. Specifically, PCNA's data sharing privileges let companies give data to government agencies, including the NSA, that might have otherwise violated the Electronic Communications Privacy Act or the Wiretap Act, both of which restrict the sharing of users' private data with the government. And the PCNA doesn't even restrict that use of shared information to cybersecurity purposes. Its text also allows the information to be used for investigating any potential threat of bodily harm or death, (sighs) opening its application to the surveillance of -of run-of-the-mill violent crimes like robbery and carjacking. This is a little more than a backdoor for general-purpose surveillance. Congressman Adam Schiff, who led the advocacy for the bill on the House floor, argued in a statement to reporters that PCNA, in fact, supports privacy by protecting Americans from future hacker breaches. We do this while recognizing the huge and growing threat 
cyber hacking and cyber espionage posts to our privacy as well as to our financial well-being and our jobs. In the process of drafting this bill, protecting privacy was at the forefront throughout, and we consulted extensively with privacy and civil liberty groups, incorporating their suggestions in many cases. This is a strong bill that protects privacy, and one that I expect will get even better as the process goes forward. We expect to see large bipartisan support on the floor. PCNA does include some significant privacy safeguards, such as a requirement that companies scrub unrelated data of personally identifying information before sending it to the government, and that government agencies pass it through another filter to delete such data after receiving it. But those protections still don't go far enough, says Robin Green, Policy Counsel for the Open Technology Institute. Any information considered a threat indicator could still legally be sent to the government, even, for instance, IP address innocent victims of botnets used in distributed denial of service attacks against corporate websites. No further amendments that might have added new privacy restrictions to the bill were considered before the House's vote on Wednesday. I'm very disappointed that the House has passed an information-sharing bill that does so much to threaten Americans' privacy and civil liberties, and no real effort was made to address the problems the bill still had, said Green. The Rules Committee has excluded amendments that would have resolved privacy concerns. This is little more than a backdoor for general-purpose surveillance. There's a shock. In a surprise move yesterday, the White House also publicly backed PCNA and its Senate counterpart, the Cybersecurity Information Sharing Act, CISA. That's a reversal of its threat to veto a similar Cybersecurity Information Sharing and Protection, Protection Act in 2013 over privacy concerns, a decision that all but killed the earlier attempt at cybersecurity data sharing legislation. Since then, however, a string of high-profile breaches seem to have swayed President Obama's thinking from the cybercriminal breaches of Target and health insurer Anthem that spilled millions of users' data to the devastating hack of Sony Pictures Entertainment, which the FBI claimed was perpetrated as an intimidation tactic by the North Korean government to prevent the release of Kim Jong-un assassination comedy The Interview Plays. If the White House support stands, it now leaves only an upcoming Senate vote sometime later this month on CISA as the deciding factor as to whether the PCNA and CISA are combined to become law. But privacy advocates still haven't given up on a presidential veto. A new website called StopCyberSpying.com launched by Internet Freedom Group Access, along with the EFF, the ACLU, and others, includes a petition to the president to reconsider a veto for the PCNA, CISA, and any other bill that threatens to widen Internet surveillance. OTI's Green says she's still banking on a change of heart from Obama, too. (laughs) We're hopeful that the administration would veto any bill that doesn't address these issues, she said. To sign a bill that resembles CISA or the PCNA would represent the administration doing a complete 180-hot commitment to protect Americans' privacy. Yeah. It's not a 180. 270, maybe. It's it's not even anything. Yeah. You know, it's doing the hokey pokey. Turn yourself around. That's what it's all about. It's kind of what politics is. I still love how they're still trying to blame that Sony thing on North Korea. 
Yeah, well, anybody with half a brain knows North Korea didn't do that shit. Come on. My God. Look at a nighttime map of North Korea, and you tell me where the fuck their lone single cyber hacker that's that good is hiding. (laughs) That's all I want to know. Yeah. You know, where is that one guy that's so good that he can pedal his little heart out while he's sitting there at his computer desk powering his damn computer? Because there's. It did make Sony an awful lot of money. <laughs> it did. One. You know. Mediocre film suddenly becomes the. The. Uh, the center of attention. Yeah. Oh, I know. It, but I mean, come on now. How in the hell is it that we actually believe that they've done that? You know what I mean? How how does anybody believe that? I mean, I I don't think anybody actually believes that, do they? Oh, unfortunately, I bet loads do. How sad. Yes. Okay. It was a well. I don't even know what to say anymore. But um, I promised I would stick a link in the chat. Uh I should sing more during my shows. No. (laughs) Okay. I um, stuck a link in the chat to stop the TTP. So if y'all could visit that, it's um, HTTP, because I'm all about that, cmsfightforthefuture.org backslash TTP for people who can't see it. So it's very easy to voice your opposition to the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I would urge everybody out there to do it because not a good thing. So I don't know that we can cover anything else this evening um, without me busting out and crying. <laughs> so I'm going to call it a night. <laughs> and I, I think it's time for the advert. And I'm sorry. I, I know you managed to fill in brilliantly, Barry. But I'm <laughs> sorry that I got cut out for the last part of the show. It's not your fault. I blame Microsoft. I I blame Skype. I blame Microsoft. I blame the NSA. I blame the five (laughs) eyes. But that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Right, advert. Okay. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Amoseek.com. Good night, guys, and thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.